This is Stover, the barbecue hunk. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Have a hunky day. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening and welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originates from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host. Greg Rempe, happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evenings, a live fire fun and frivolity show. If you want to jump in on the show this evening through phone calls, emails, and the like, here's how you do that. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at bbqcentralshow.com or on the Twitter and Instagrams at bbqcentralshow. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you get the newsletter coming up in about 12 minutes from now. It is a guest I have had on my radar for years, but it didn't seem to be a pressing situation until they went public last summer. And then there was the subsequent week of promotion and marketing and parties and it was all being streamed through social media through the various influencers that they have on their stable through the various contractors that do the Traeger shop classes not unlike Diva Q and Doug Scheiding Texas Embedded Correspondent and right in the middle of it was the CEO of that very company none other than Jeremy Andrus he will be joining us for the first time And we'll talk about a bit of his background, what it was like growing up as a kid, getting into his education, very accomplished academic, of course, Harvard uh, master's grad, and then, of course, a very successful and public business person. You've heard of Skullcandy prior to getting into the work that he's done with Traeger over the last eight years or so. And then, of course, there were positions previous to that, but we're not going to dig too far back into there because we just don't have all kinds of time. Very busy man. And appreciate the fact that he is going to be hanging out not only in the 14 past the first hour segment, but we'll hold him over after a break and convert him into the 35 minutes past the hour segment as well. So two full interview segments with Jeremy Andrus, CEO of Traeger Grills. And that will be happening in about 10 or 11 minutes from now. We will also be asking very pertinent questions that are happening to Traeger uh, present day. We'll talk about business. We'll talk about new products. We'll talk about how they are really pressing the envelope and dominating when it comes to marketing and the thoughts behind that, how they do it, who they're reaching out to, 
all the fun stuff, and then we'll ask the really tough questions right at the end so we don't make anybody mad or we can at least jump off the bridge right at that point at the very end. That's how we do it here on this show because we are courageous, as Daniel Vaughn said. We are courageous. We will be. And that will do it for the first hour. Then we will move to the second hour while I was lining up two guests in the second hour. We had to reschedule a little bit, which is fine because I want to have all of the ends covered when it comes to sound, fidelity, and audio. So we will reschedule who was going to be at 1014. But the more I thought about it as I got to rescheduling the 1014 guest, I thought, you know, the person coming up 35 past the second hour, as I really start to dig in and do research and realize who I actually have, this is also an hour-long guest. This is a two-segment guest. Hugely, again, academic, professional. I don't know if my Wi-Fi just went out or not because my mixer is now trying to reconnect. And I have no idea why it would want to be reconnecting at this point. And my heat's still on, so that's good. Anyway, we continue. Not sure exactly what's going on with that. But he's an academic. He's a business person. He is into food. You've heard of Chef Steps. You've heard of modernist cuisine. But have you heard of Combustion Inc.? Maybe you haven't. That's really the precipice of why I wanted to have him on. That was the motivating factor. But... As I started to do a little research and realized who I had, I was like, wow, we got a lot to talk about. So what happens? We press them out into two segments into the second hour. And it here we go. Back to back. First time guest here on this show. It'll be Chris Young from Combustion Inc. Again, one of the co-founders of Chef Steps, which is that sous vide machine. And then, of course, one of the co-authors of Modernist Cuisine. So very excited to have Chris on the show and get some background on him, what he's up to. And then, of course, we'll talk about Combustion Inc., which I think a lot of you are going to take quite an interest in, especially as it relates to wireless thermometers. So there you have it. And that's who we have on this show this evening. Jeremy Andrus coming up in about eight minutes from now, and then in the second hour, Chris Young, Combustion Inc., and all of the other accolades that I had just mentioned. 216-220-0966 is the way to jump in on the show through the phone, or if you'd rather hit me through email, greg at the com. Don't forget, you can follow me socially, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and the snappers at BBQ Central Show. For a live video feed of this show, you can also go to Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show. Also, there's one on YouTube slash RD Rempe. And we are also live on Facebook as well. So if you'd rather just get the audio version of the show as it's happening live, you can go to Clubhouse and there you have it. All right. So I guess we have some breaking news here. Just one second. Yeah. Go ahead. I just need everyone to put me in the Hall of Fame. All right. There she Everyone doesn't get a vote. That's the thing. You have to specifically ask Doug and Rusty and John and me. Everyone put me on. I don't care. And that's what happens. There's quite a process in order to get into the guest hall of fame. Of course, you do meet the one and only requirement, which is having to have been a guest on the show, which you've been a guest many years of your life. You've been a judge on the show. So 
at least you're you've got the most important part down at this stage of the game. Trying to reconnect here. No, I I don't. Oh wait, there it is. All right, we're getting back on it. Very happy to have that. So let's start here tonight. The reaction to the meathead pineapple animation over the top success. Everyone loving it. Many of you asking to rerun it on the show this week as we lead out. I'm not usually a huge fan of playing things again, especially since it's been posted on social media and all over those various places. However, because the reaction was so positive, I will relent and once again play for you the Greg Rempe and Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. Pineapple is the best thing to come off a grill animation. For your pleasure. I have everything you can put on the grill. Nothing in this world. Animal, vegetable, mineral is better than a pineapple. God almighty, I love grilled pineapple. What? <laughs> Meathead, oh my I have to look back at our 10 years of doing interviews together and hold everything in question that you said. I can't believe that the best thing coming off of a grill on any side of anything is pineapple. Have you ever just grilled a slice of pineapple? Uh, meathead. My mind is spinning. I think I'm ready to explode. Of course I have. Never once fantastic? have I oh, thought right. that this could be I, the best thing to, I've eaten off a grill. No to, way. Prime rib is better. Every right. steak is better. Chicken is better. <laughs> turkey is better. Pizza is better. Meathead, you are off your medicine. We I'm might a, have I'm, to call an end to this whole goddamn thing now. Oh, my God. I'm a buzz. There it is right there. The pineapple is is the best thing to come off a grill segment animation. For your pleasure, of course. And once again, we thank Damian Rodriguez for uh, doing that. A talented young man, again, 17 years old. Some listener feedback from the show last week, Dennis in Colorado. I've always wanted to know what's between Sam's buns. I pre-ordered Sam's book about a month ago from Amazon. Can't wait to see it. Greg, another bomb city, star-studded show. I always enjoy Malcolm, but the roundtable format was incredible. It was great seeing Dr. Barbecue back on the show and hearing about his latest adventures. And it was awesome to hear him talk about kicking off the rust and having issues in the competition he was in. Such an honest and humble man. This show is an amazing tribute to all the hard work and professionalism you pour into it. Just an awesome show, and I look forward to it each and every week. Keep up the outstanding work. Regards, Dennis, and that is the official Colorado correspondent, embedded correspondent, Dennis. So, Dennis, appreciate you writing in. Madwood Barbecue loves grilled pineapple as well in the instant chat. So, if you are also a fan of grilled pineapple, you should let me know. Why not? Maybe my next guest, Jeremy Andrus, is a fan of grilled pineapple, and he thinks it's the best thing to come off a Traeger. Who knows? Let me talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies. Get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at Big Papa Smokers has been Pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself from the award-winning rubs and sauces to the American-made grills and smokers. Big Papa's has something for everybody and every kind of cook. Known for the championship rubs and seasonings, popular flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, all proven winners on the competition circuit, 
and in backyards, offering 13 perfectly balanced flavors that will transform ordinary meals into extraordinary. Big Pop is also the proud owner of the award-winning Granny's Barbecue Sauce. If you're looking for a new go-to sauce that will please everybody, Granny's traditionally a powerful flavors remind us of why we fell in love with barbecue in the first place. And aside from the premium selection of rubs and sauces, they're selling cookers and the very best ones at that. If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out that Mac 2-Star General Pellet Cooker. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. Not a fan of pellet smokers? Take a look at that Old Hickory Ace BP, the only charcoal smoker the Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. If you're not sure of what grill you need, give him a call. Ask questions. Why not? 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop their website at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. We are looking for Jeremy Andrews from Traeger Grills. Hopefully we'll have him here on the other side. So you stick around and we'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show is being brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, creators of automatic pit temperature control technology, sellers of ceramic cookers with built-in power draft fans, and accessories to make your barbecue and grilling life easier. Visit bbqguru.com for more information or give them a call at 800-288-GURU. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. So make sure you're checking them out as well. Uh, we are out to Jeremy Andrews, CEO of Traeger. And I don't see him oh, on my... Actually, there is no doubt that the most recognizable name in the world of pellet cookers is Traeger, the original pellet cooker, and has evolved into a brand that seemingly anyone with any interest in live fire cooking either has owned or at least knows about. But it wasn't always like that. In fact, there were a number of years where the name had a little different ring to it altogether. However, my next guest set out to change all of that when he took it over in 2014. And we'll talk about all of that and more here over the next two segments. So we race to the hotline and welcome in first timer to the show, CEO of Traeger Grills, Jeremy Andrews, joining me. Hey, Jeremy. How you doing? I'm doing absolutely fabulous and appreciate you making the time here this evening to sit on the Barbecue Central Show, talk Traeger, talk background, all that good stuff. So uh, we do have a lot of cooker and business stuff to talk about here during the course of the hour, Jeremy, but 
let's roll it back a little bit. I don't know if everybody has a full understanding of your background. And really, let's dial it all the way back. So what was it like growing up as a kid? What were you into and where did you grow up? Boy, uh, you want to go all the way back. We're dialing it back. Let's do it. You know what? I would say, first of all, uh, grew up all over the place, but but my most formative years were in the Midwest. Uh, grew up in a small town in Minnesota called Plymouth and uh, learned a lot, uh, sort of lower midwest, lower mid middle class family. Got a paper out at seven years old, bought a lawnmower at eight, uh, mowed lawns, delivered paper, sold stuff door to door. And, you know, just kid trying to pay for his Nike shoes. You know, I'm a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk and hearing his story, he mentions that from a very young age, he was into business, lemonade stands, trading cards. Here you are mowing lawns. Do you think when you look at some of your peers, some of the successful folks in business, even from that really young age, they were looking to grind? Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. Uh, There's no question there is a component of DNA of, of, of nature, but there's nurture as well. And I was in a circumstance where I needed to work if I wanted to have extra spending money. But more than that, I was always fascinated by capitalism and the, the ability to build something. And I remember once having an hourly wage job and just like going home day after day saying, I'm making like five bucks an hour and I'm working so hard, this doesn't feel right. And so no question, I mean, I, I, I think about my fellow entrepreneurs, my peers, they were always starting something and looking for a way to make a buck. And I think there's this element of sort of not just grit and determination, but this willingness to innovate and be scrappy and find a better way to do things. Jeremy Anders joining us here on the show, the website Traeger.com. You can find them socially at Traeger Grills. So as you get through elementary school, high school, are you a pretty good student? You sharp like that or you have other interests? You know what? I was um, I was not uh, up through junior high school. And I remember there was a moment where I said, I got to get in college. Um, I want to go to Harvard Business School. From a young age, I wanted to go to Harvard. And that's not, actually not very typical of entrepreneurs, but it's sort of an aspiration of mine. And I got to, I got to high school and said, this is it. This is real life. And I, and I did start to get good grades. And, you know, less so because I was fascinated by learning or academics, but more so because I believe that was the beginning of my career. So I'm going to ask this question, and there's a follow-up question to this. Uh, are you a Mormon? I am. So let me dazzle you with my Mormon knowledge, aside from the fact that I believe the faith was founded right here in Kirtland, Ohio, which is about two cities to the east of me. Um, Mm -hmm. My best friend in high school was a Mormon. And while the traditional next step for most of us that aren't Mormon is either get a job or go to college, uh, for Mormon, there is something called the Mormon mission where you are, you go away for two years uh, to, I mean, it can be pretty much anywhere across the globe. Uh, Is that something that you took part in? I did uh, at 19 years old. I packed a couple of suitcases, bought a couple of cheap suits, and went to Italy. To, I went to Northern Italy on my mission, and uh, I barely spoke a word of Italian. And I will tell you that that's sort of something that is, it's everyone's choice, 
but there's a pretty strong cultural expectation to, to go. And I always planned on doing it, but when it came, came time, I was nervous. I mean, that, that's a, it's a different moment to get on an airplane and know that you get to write letters to your family for two years and that's it. Nowadays, is it phone calls and stuff or do you still have to, I mean, obviously letters was the way of communication through them and you could do long distance phone calling, but is it still, is it more high tech today? You know, it is more high tech. So uh, I, I, I hate to say that it wasn't just yesterday that I, that I went on my mission, but it was a long time ago. And um, I wrote letters every Monday and it would take three weeks to get home, three weeks to get back. So like the news cycle was so dated, uh, but we were allowed to call home on Christmas Day and Mother's Day. And that was it. Wow. And nowadays you can actually, um, you can email, you can call your family once a week and um it's, you know, it's, it's a different experience. And I think, um, you know, young men and young women are probably different these days than, than when I went and uh, somehow I survived it and had a great experience. So what is it like? You're in a foreign country. As you said, you're not somebody that has a exceptional Italian language that you're armed with to go make it a little bit easier. What do you think you get out of that two-year experience? You know, um, Look, you, you go out and you realize that you're there to serve other people, to to perform service, to look out for other people's interests above your own. But there's no question of any two-year period of my life. That is a period that I grew a lot personally. Um, you know, you learn to get along. You, you get a companion. You learn to get along with someone, even if it's, this is not someone that would be your buddy, like 24-7 you get you get to know someone and you're you know you're working hard you put a suit on every day and um you know you learn a lot about yourself and your ability to be alone you learn a lot about your own spirituality it's like across the board a very informative and sometimes difficult period of my life uh, we're talking with Jeremy Anders from Traeger Grills right here so you get back and then is college the next logical step or do you take some time to clear your head and get reacclimated with life here in the States? You know what? Uh, I landed on December 23rd and um, saw my family for the first time in, uh, in two years. And on uh, January 1st, I was on an airplane out to Utah to go to BYU. Oh. And so, no, I, I, my, I didn't clear my head. And, you know, by the way, I was, I had been so busy for two years that I really was looking to be busy and not to sort of sit around. So, but school was different, busy than mission busy. Uh, undergrad, are you a business person or were you into something else? You know what? I studied uh, international relations and economics in undergrad. And then, um, you know, knowing that I was going to back, I, I was planning to go back to business school, decided that uh, those were two things that interested me. And I was going to do sort of internships and learn as much as I can and work and then go back to business school. So here's the time to go to business school. You get out of BYU, as you had mentioned a couple minutes ago, it was a goal of yours from a young age to go to Harvard Business School. So what was the process like? And then what was it actually like getting there and going through the curriculum? You know, I'll tell you that, um, first of all, I worked uh, before I went back to Harvard Business School. Uh, I worked for uh, four years, actually. Uh, I was a management consultant and uh, honestly, didn't enjoy it. Probably not a very good one. 
I remember being 90 days in, working seven days a week, Saturday morning, picking up the phone, calling my dad, saying, Dad, I hate this. I'm depressed. I can't get out of bed. Maybe I should have gone to law school or something. And so, look, my my career uh, from the from the very earliest days, and I would say until I got sort of 10 years into it, kind of meandered a little bit. And it was hard. And it took me a while to figure out what I enjoyed. So I was a consultant. And then as a consultant, I started day trading stocks full-time for six months, like showing up to the office at like four in the morning, checking stocks, trading stocks before the day began. <clears throat> I built uh, real estate, developed real estate. So I did a lot of things before I went back. And then I applied and I got rejected. Mm. <laughs> and it was... It was heartbreaking because I'd wanted to go for so long. And I said, okay, what do you, what do, you do when you fail? Uh, you, you get back to work and you apply again. And so fortunately, the second time I got in, and I made it very clear in my essays that I was going to apply year after year after year. And so you can get rid of, rid of me now and I'll come to school or you can read my essays every single year. So you make that commitment to yourself, but let's play it out just for a second. You never, you're constantly rejected by Harvard for whatever reason. Did it have to be Harvard or bust? Yeah, you, you know what? It, it did. And honestly, I look back and, and I don't know exactly what my obsession was with Harvard because I, I got into other business schools. I got into Northwestern. I got waitlisted at Stanford and said, that's not for me. And so it had to be Harvard. And it was a it was a goal of mine. And honestly, I got there, and the experience was just fine. <laughs> I mean, I kind of said, "Well, this is kind of cool." Like you, you know, you, you walk this traditional campus, and the ivy is hanging off of these multi hundred year old buildings, and uh, and and the experience was fine. But honestly, not not my favorite two years of life, and, and a very expensive two years. So you get out of Harvard Business School. Now you have uh, the master's in business. And there's certainly other positions that we can talk about. But before we start getting into the Traeger stuff heavy, I wanted to talk a little bit about your time at Skull Candy and how you think that helped you and your business development. Yeah, look, um, there is no question as an entrepreneur you know, you learn more. I, I learned more in every six month period of time as an entrepreneur than I think I did in a two year MBA. I mean, like there is when when you have skin in the game and you're grinding and you've got to figure these things out. And when you make mistakes, they're real and they're meaningful and they cost you. Uh, I learned so much. So, you know, I I, I started a small business out of business school. Um, wasn't terribly successful, but I learned a lot about me and I learned a lot about running a business. And I eventually found myself partnered with uh, my co-founder of Skull Candy, and honestly didn't know that much about consumer electronics, about manufacturing. I was, uh, I was passionate about being an entrepreneur and I really loved brand and consumer. And that was a start. And honestly, I look back and say, I knew nothing. Like I have, I have no idea how we succeeded. But, but you know, candidly, I look back every sort of twelve years of my career, at least the last sixteen years, when I when I uh, went to Skull Candy, and I say every single year 
I can look back and honestly say I knew so little then. And 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 that's one of one of the things I've loved about a career. I mean, like the learnings are sometimes intense, but they're really satisfying along the way. We could dig deep into skull candy. Let me ask you this question. If beats never becomes a thing, is skull candy the beats of the day then? Oh boy. Uh, you've you've asked a very sensitive question, and this this is funny because my assistant said I've got headphones for you, <laughs> and turns out they were Beats headphones. And I I said Jordan, I can't wear those, <laughs> and she said it's all, it's all I've got. So right now you can't see the tape over that B because I refuse to wear them publicly. And look what I just did. You know what? So I'll tell you that um, we built Skull Candy a $300 million business on $800,000 of equity. Yeah. We were always underfunded. It should never have worked. And by the way, I fully acknowledge there's a ton of luck that goes into building a business. And I look back and like full on say, I don't know if I could do that one again. But um, interestingly, we had an opportunity to merge with Beats at one point along the way. And I actually thought that was a great idea and not everyone around the table did. And so, um, look, we, we were first, I mean, we were out of the gate ahead of Beats and we had a phenomenal brand. And what I realized as I watched Beats grow and, 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 and I initially looked at Beats and I, I knew Beats before they launched. I just said, there's no market for $300 headphones. <laughs> It's like, who's going to spend $300 on headphones unless you're the guy that sits in the front of the airplane and you're wearing bows? And of course, like how wrong I, 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 I was. I mean, like embarrassingly wrong. And, and I've learned a lot about consumer disruption. That was one of them. And it was interesting spending time with uh, Jimmy Iving, who was the founder of, of Beats with, uh, with, with Dr. Dre. And... Um, hearing his vision and getting to know him and realizing that he had this tremendous muscle in music. And um, it's an inc- Beats is an incredible brand. I, I, I hated them. I respect them now. I just can't wear them publicly. Uh, one of the things that I remember hearing Jimmy talk about in a past interview that's always stuck with me through all of his success, he's always kept that mantra of how can I be of service and I've always tried to apply that to my day job, to here at yeah. the Barbecue Central show. It's just something that's you know always stuck with me. Yeah, look, um, so I, I really enjoyed my time with him. I really respected him. He had a tremendous view of the consumer and this idea of how can I be of service? Like, what am I really doing for others that that makes me or my brand important and meaningful? And uh, boy, boy, he did it. And it's something that I think a lot about. I mean, like, you know, you, 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 you think about the hundreds and hundreds of products and, and or brands that, that you interact with every day. And most of them, they, they do what they're intended to do, but not much more. And when you find a great brand, I'll put beats in that category, you know, like Apple, like Tesla, you know, name the brand that just has this tremendous reputation for serving their their customers well. They do something special, and they obsess over that service experience. Jeremy Andrews joining me here on the show. 
So let's go ahead and start to broach over into the Traeger stuff here. And, you know, Traeger has had somewhat of a tumultuous lifespan. It starts with Joe Traeger, of course. He gets it to market, grows it to a certain degree. Um, pretty decent consumer feedback on the product and then ultimately sells it. Product kind of goes into the crapper a little bit. And then change comes and you were pitched Traeger a initial time. You kind of pass on it or I don't want to say blow it off, but maybe blew it off a little bit. But then it comes around a second time. What was different the second time? You know, um, the second time I actually, I actually sat with consumers and I asked them questions about Traeger. And the first time I sort of said, like the, the outdoor the outdoor cooking space or grilling space was so commoditized, you know, and, and, and I just didn't know that it was a space from a brand perspective that was right for me. And I will tell you that, you know, when I flew to Oregon and it was just, it was a fairly regional brand when I met it into mid 2013, I went to Oregon and I, and I set up a dozen customer interviews and I was blown away that a brand that I had never heard of that had been around for 27 years was so beloved by its owners, by its, by its customers. And it's like, you know, when someone says, you know, my Traeger changed my life and you sort of put your, put your pen down and say, either say that again, or what's wrong with your life? I mean, like, <laughs> how is that possible? You know, I, I sense this passion early and that's not easy to create in the world of consumer. You can get your product market fit wrong really easily, even if you invest a ton of money. And so I, w I was really enamored by two things. Number one was the passion that existed. The second was this concept of food as something that brings people together. And I come from, you know, my family, uh, we love food. Uh, we love to bring people over. My wife and I love to cook. We love to entertain. And something that, you know, is a positive force in people's lives, intersecting with like this brand called Traeger that I'd never heard of that they love so much. I said, this is a gem. There's something really special here. And so I needed to take the time to talk to customers, which I didn't do the first time around. As you start to dig into it, once you're, you know, now you've acquired it uh, with your partners 2014-ish, what are you looking at? as far as two or three of the biggest functional issues or business challenges that you are now facing that you are going to either have to correct or refine quickly? You know, look, it's, it's interesting to look at a business from the outside and then get on the inside and say, how, how did I miss all the sausage of this? Sausage is made this way. And, you know, yeah. And I, I missed a lot. And, um, you know, it, 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 and I would say first and foremost, this was a business that was just culturally broken. And that's not something that I really knew how to test for as an entrepreneur, because typically you, you build culture and you do it somewhat organically. Uh, but I got on the inside and I just felt bad going to, to, to Traeger up, up in Oregon. I felt sick to my stomach every time I walked in this place. And the more time I spent there, the more I identified it with a, 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 with a toxic culture. And so that, that was challenge. Uh, from a business perspective, there were two real, two, two things that became much more clear as I understood the business. One was the product and our consumers loved the product, but the product hadn't evolved in decades. In fact, 
It had been cheapened over time. It had been optimized with an owner that preferred to take cash out of the business than like really deeply reinvest. And I am a big believer you win first and foremost with your product experience. And if you don't lead with a great experience in some component of innovation, you just compete on price over time. The second was that, you know, the quality of the team was just not there. It was sort of, you know, there were many, there were second generation members of, of, of families. And it was kind of like, it, it was this old business that served a purpose, which was make payroll. But there was no real aspiration to build something like really, really big and disruptive. And so, you know, it's interesting how you sometimes when you're in the middle of something, you, there's this phrase, you know, you can't see the forest from the trees, like everything's so close to you. These people didn't really know what they had. And I came from the outside and said, guys, this, this thing is magical. Like, do you know what your consumers are saying about this? And so, you know, sort of team product culture, these are the three things that I said. We can enable the business a lot of different ways, but we lead with people and that's team and culture. And we lead with a, a really unique product experience. Jeremy, and Andrews, it took a while to get there. No doubt. Uh, Jeremy Andrews joining us here on the show. Jeremy, can I hold you up just for one second? Uh, do a read and we'll come back and finish up here. Sure. All right. Stand by. We're talking with Jeremy Andrews, CEO of Traeger. And we'll dig a little bit more into what's happening there in one moment. I'll talk to you quickly about Yoder Smokers. Yoder Smokers designs and builds all of their products right here in the States, building pride through craftsmanship, world-class customer service. That's the backbone of how they've built the company. This approach translates into what can be a truly bespoke-style product that elevates gatherings with friends and family. Honored to have a trusted place in the backyards of America, from pellet cookers to wood-fired offset pits. And Charcoal Grill's consistent blue ribbon flavor has become synonymous with the Yoder Smoker's name. Make no mistake, Yoder Smoker's flavor-driven design is unique to each style of pit. And the team has developed their cookers to perform time and time again while outlasting the competition for generations to come. It's this generational thought that's rooted in the handmade products and defines the integrity of the core values. American-made quality and endless flavor are the benchmarks of Yoder Smokers. And as I have been updating you over the last couple weeks, I'm happy to say that friend of show and executive producer of the Howard Stern Show, Jason Kaplan, and my pal just armed up with the YS640. So congratulations to Jay adding to the barbecue family out there. He's got a Lang and a couple other cookers as well. So looking forward to the feedback on that. If you're interested, hit the website, yodersmokers.com, and grab yours today or check out what they're offering. That's yodersmokers.com. We're back with more Jeremy Andrus right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere, the Barbecue Central Show. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And this portion being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all of your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase or to see what other products they have to add a little bit more flavor to what you're doing out there. Chris Becker and the gang over there at Cooking Pellets, and we are rejoined by CEO of Traeger Grills, Jeremy Andrus. Jeremy, appreciate you hanging with me through the break there. 
So Traeger Marketing, very powerful. Would you classify Traeger customers as fans or is it more cult-like in the best ways possible? You know, I got to tell you, um, cult was, was one of the words I used early on. And uh, people can use that, that that word for good and for bad, but I but I will tell you, cult cult sort of turned in co- into community, and you know it's something that I think every great brand aspires to create, and that's 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 a sense of community where you effectively uh, you self identify and you organize around your passion for something, and so there there's a community out there that that I think is absolutely passionate and and I felt it no more than you know since the pandemic hit and like this need for community and support and gathering around food whether it's physical or virtual it's been awesome to watch you know traditionally the market associated with influencers has been middle-aged white dudes in the barbecue world but if you look through the Traeger stable of influencers these days there's a lot of diversity have you noticed the shift in who's buying and using these grills or is Traeger trying to do a better job of marketing outside of that historic audience? You know, I, actually we are seeing a shift. Uh, we're, 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 sh- we're seeing, um, you know, certainly a shift from, from an age perspective. Uh, we're, we're seeing our consumers as being younger, finding this passion earlier. Uh, we're seeing, um, you know, much more inclusion um, from an ethnic perspective, um, you know, from a gender perspective, you know, outdoor cooking tends to be a fairly male activity, but, but, but women fall in love with Traeger and, and sometimes it's pure barbecue and other times it, it serves a different purpose. And so, um, you know, for us, it's, uh, I, I, I think even less about marketing and, and more about sort of mission and purpose of Traeger. You know, our, 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 our mission is to bring people together to create a more flavorful world. And we believe that that's around inclusivity. It's like inviting anyone to sit down at your table and enjoy share a meal that you've thoughtfully created for them and make new friends. And that, that, that's our mission. Traeger appears to be attempting to capture every part of that live fire experience that can be had by a consumer. For instance, clothing. There were sweatpants that I saw get released a couple weeks ago. Uh, on top of that, there are uh, all-inclusive meal boxes that have all of the meats, all the side dishes. You just have to put them on the Traeger, and then you can enjoy that Traeger meal. How quickly do you can an idea or axe the idea if it's not performing as hope? You know, uh, so first of all, the the meat sweats, um, like they blew my mind. Like we we did this for fun. And, you know, we, we sold out in hours and somehow people got really excited by those. But you know what? Things like that you can test and you're not betting the farm. You're, you've got this portfolio of ideas that you're always sort of playing with. I am a believer though that you come in with like real consumer research. Like you really know your customer. You spend time with them. You survey them. You, you have real knowledge, but you fail failure fast. And so you're thoughtful. And before you really go deep, you'd rather fail early than fail later after you've poured a lot of resources in. And so I am a believer of like this portfolio of ideas and risk and you're pressure testing them. And if they fail, that's that's okay. Um, as long as you have a culture 
that embraces risk-taking and it, it's not punitive for failure and you're not betting the farm on a single idea. Technology has become something that appears to be very important to have on grills. From your research and data, what percentage of Traeger customers are actively using the tech each time or almost each time versus just being happy that it's on there, but not really using it? You know what? It's, it's actually growing rapidly. And so we, uh, we launched our first cloud-connected Wi-Fi-enabled grill. Uh, the Timberline back in 2017. And that was kind of a new concept at the time. It's like, why would you need to collect your, connect your grill to the cloud, the control, the content, how does this all work? And I think there, there are some devices that, you know, everything's connected these days. And sometimes you look at that as a consumer and say, that's kind of gimmicky. Like, what does that do for me as a customer? And yet we're finding that cooking and control and content is a really important part of the uh, of of sort of the cooking experience and the adventure and discovery of cooking. And so we're really finding consumers to be using it more and more. In fact, you know, we have you know hundreds of thousands, I will say approaching a million connected grills and we you know, we see every time they turn them on and they're using the technology frequently and that adoption's accelerating. And I think the pandemic was a real, that was a real accelerant of the adoption of technology, partly because people were home and, uh, and they were connected. And so they were, they, they were doing more technology. The other is that people had time to geek out over fun devices and they really started buying these connected devices and Traeger was one of them. So we were selling well coming into the pandemic, but the use of, the uh, the connected experience really accelerated uh, during during that period. Let's stay on the technology piece here just for a second. I don't know what you're going to technically be able to answer or not, but you guys and Green Mountain Grills are currently in a lawsuit that's waiting on a final ruling from the ITC on or before April 6th, whatever that means. As an interested onlooker, that being me, for more yeah. than a few reasons, if the ruling comes back that the commission disagrees with the infringing that is currently sitting on Green Mountain Grills, do you guys just say, hey, that's the way the rule is and that's it? Or do you immediately file for appeal and continue on? No, I mean, for, first of all, uh, it's, it's possible, but, but very, very low likelihood that, that, that the ruling's not, not reaffirmed. Um, and, and, and there, there's been years that have gone into this. And I, I would say a couple of things just sort of from a principal perspective. One, I hate litigation. I, I, I hate being on either side. It's like, it's like you, you want to build something for your consumers. You don't want to make lawyers rich. <laughs> no offense to any lawyers listening, but it's like the lawyers always win and, and, and it's painful and it's draining and it's tiring. Um, but the second thing I would say is we invest a lot in innovation. I, I would venture to say we are investing more than the entire outdoor cooking category combined each year in innovation. And we're doing it because we, we respect our customer and the experience that they have. And so, you know, it, it's like there's a system set up to protect what you innovate on. And uh, so we've been going through this um, with GMG for many years. Um, you know, we, we, we had patents granted uh, they they appealed that or or they 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 tried to invalidate them with the the U.S. Patent Office. They lost. Um, 
We believe they were infringing, so we went to the ITC, uh, and and we won that ruling. And it, at this point, you know, I don't know if it's ninety nine point nine or ninety nine point nine nine percent. You know, short of the president getting involved, we we we've won with the ITC. And so, um, look, we um, I I know the G, the GMG guys. Um, you know, we certainly have have no intent to you know, hurt anyone. We, we think innovation and competition's good. Um, but we spent a lot of money, uh, building that experience for our, for our customers. And this is the system. So, you know, we're, we're trying to respectfully go through the process in the system and, uh, hopefully, um, you know, there'll be something, uh, in this that works for both of us. Is this a matter of you guys getting to patent first? Cause maybe I'm, uh, outside of where I'm, my timeline is, having done the show for, believe it or not, this is the beginning of the 15th year of live shows here on the Barbecue Central Show. But I think I had uh, Green Mountain Grills, or maybe it was Mac, or one of the two, you know, I don't know if it was well before, but before uh, Traeger had the, had the patents on it, you guys just got it first, and, and so now you can you can uphold these or um, so, uh, protect so, it, protect the IP yeah. and the trademarks? I'll tell you, I'm a I'm I'm a lot smarter on consumer and product than I am on IP. <laughs> than I am on IP, which is complicated. Um, and in in but but what I'll tell you is, you know, we we started this innovation back in 2014, uh, and and we pretty quickly moved moved to patent it, and and we and we launched. We not only patented first, but we launched the first product, and there there's no indication, um, you know, other than the fact that 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 we were first with the idea. Um, but, um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. I mean, for, fortunately there's a process for it and it's not just, it, it's not just the cliche. I, I can't comment on pending litigation because I've actually said more now yeah, right. than I've said at any point in time on this litigation. Um, but it's, uh, it, it, it's complicated and, um, unfortunately it is complicated and we're trying, we're doing our best to play within the system and, and 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 pretty consistently, this is the direction that uh, various or various courts or organizations have ruled. All right, I'm only going to ask one more follow up, and then we're going to move on from here. Um, yeah. Assuming you're correct, everything's upheld. Uh, I am to understand that there could be a penalty the GMG is going to have to pay on their end if, uh, if if it's not overturned for some reason. That could put them out of business. Outside of that, for anybody else that has. I guess similar technology that isn't patented. Uh, Weber has something, but they said a couple of weeks ago that their stuff is already patented. Is this something that other companies that are in this space that don't have patented technology could also have happen to them? Yeah, look, uh, this is probably where my general counsel is going to reach through the laptop and say, "Not another word." Um, I, I'll just say that, um, look, we're 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 going to be. Um, accommodating working with GMG um, as we've offered to do in the past. And, um, you know, we, we want to be a good player in the industry. And there are certainly some other technologies that will be patented that, that aren't ours. And, and we will respectfully, um, you know, uh, we will respectfully access IP where we're able to. Um, but, um, I mean, you know, we've got a, a dozen patents in this space and, we we think they're important, and uh, you know we'd love to see the 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 a rising tide, but 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 we'll certainly protect the IP that uh, uh, that we've invested in. 
Jeremy Andrews joining us here on the show, CEO of Traeger Grills. Last August, Traeger is going public. You heard rumblings about it. All of a sudden you hear, well, now Weber's going to be going public too. And it seemed like all of a sudden we have a hundred meter dash between Traeger and Weber to, to get to a public offering first. Uh, you're there a week before they are. And man, oh man, huge fanfare. In, in my estimation, and believe me, I'm as dumb as it comes to investing and uh, uh, Wall Street and all this other stuff, but there was so much hoopla and marketing in, in a good way, by the way. Uh, and then through that week and you have uh, your influencers are carrying it all. You have this big culminating party out there at Traeger headquarters and there's a, a huge uh, happening over there as well. Uh, you're cresting at 10 days in, $32 a share almost. And then here we are, first part of 2022, and uh, we just crested back at 10 bucks. Uh, I think we closed at $10 and six cents a share. Uh, today, it was, you know, nine bucks or so for quite a while there. And, and you're way smarter than this at me. What do we attribute to where we're sitting at today, and why mm. would I not want to be crapping my drawers? So, um, boy, uh, there, there's a lot there. Um, you know, I'll first of all say it is kind of interesting. I mean, let, we're, let's say we're a 35 year old brand, and I'm going to guess Weber's 70, 75 years old. Like, how do we go public a week apart? Yeah. Um, so I can I can honestly say I had no idea that Weber was going public until we were three three months down the road with that. I don't know if anybody and, knows uh, Weber's still public. I mean, that's how much they didn't cover it and how bad it was in my estimation. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I, I will so so we approach the world uh, very differently than, than than Weber and and I view that as a good thing. Um, look, the um, there was a lot of uh, optimism out of the gate. Traeger has been growing really fast. I mean, if you look at you know uh, we've grown at a thirty five percent plus Kager for the last six seven years, and um, you know we have a unique position. Uh, I think. Um, I think our community rallied around it and got excited about it. Um, but I, but I'll say a couple of things. Number one, two thirds of two thirds of companies that went public last year are trading below their IPO price now. So, you know, there there was sort of 12, 18 months of like this hunger for growth in technology, and then uh, you get to the fourth quarter, early first quarter, and this thing flips on a dime, and it's like n- enough of the new issuances. We want stability because you know, inflation's happening, interest rates are going up. And so there's definitely a macro piece from that perspective. But the second, the second is that, you know, as much as our brand is healthy and continues to grow, and all of the metrics suggest that, supply chains are complicated right now. And, you know, if you were to look at transportation costs from Asia, for example, you know, 18 months ago, we were paying $1,500 for a 40-foot container that, we're spending $15,000 on literally over eight, 10 months. This all changed. Uh, cost of steel went up 40%. Electronics, if you can, electronic components, if you can get them, have multiplied in, in price. So, you know, the pandemic was, you know, it, it, it affected businesses differently. And we were one of the businesses that, that accelerated. We were sort of growing at 35% coming in. Then we grew at 50%. Um, but it also, it's wreaking havoc on supply chains. And so while we are growing the top line nicely, it's not flowing through to profit like you'd like it to. And so I think the combination of those two things, and also the fact that, you know, if you think, think about where institutional investors live, 
they mostly live in high rises in places like Manhattan. So, you know, what are the brand stories they really understand? Um, you know, Peloton, Canada Goose, um, uh, stories like that, that, that fit nicely into their, you know, their, their luxury condominiums and tra- tra- Traegers, I just think tra- Traegers, it's going to take time for us to really help them understand how special this brand is and how much our community loves being a part of it. Is Traeger actively looking to increase the offering portfolio outside of pellet stuff? So you have the pellet cookers undoubtedly, but if you look at Weber, they have a gas grill line, they have charcoal line, they have a smoker line. Are you looking to diversify that way just to even out the ship? It's an interesting question. I would say, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in, in focusing on your core business and making it better. And so the, the center of our universe is the wood pellet grill. We want to make the grill better. Uh, we want to improve the experience. And, and it happens both with the innovation that sits in the grill, but how you create these modular accessories and offerings that really understand food from, you know, the moment you decide to cook through your ingredient procurement, all of the digital content that makes it better. And so, you know, might we introduce other modalities, you know, possibly to complement the wood pellet grill, but we're pretty one track minded. Like we, we think this is the best possible solution. Now, I understand that there may be other solutions that you could use in complement or on a different night, but, but we think it is the best home cooking device out there and we want to make it better. Jeremy, two questions before I let you go and really appreciate the time this evening. Traeger seems like the place to have a dedicated podcast. I mean, through my research on you, mm. you're an investor in Zencaster. There's no Traeger podcast. Did you know that? Come on. I mean, I'm a professional here. I'm not some jamoke, you know, running some stupid show. I mean, I do I do my homework here. So you're an investor in Zencaster, but no podcast yeah. for Traeger. To me, as somebody who does a live show that's also a podcast, and the the uh, amount of influencers that you have or potential guests, and then the community that you have that would listen, why no podcast? You know what? Uh, you've inspired me to push harder on this idea. I, I we, we we've talked about this, and it's it's interesting. Like there are no shortage of ideas, but this one, I agree. This one's obvious. You think about the great conversations that you can have, and the fact that maybe I can get a friends and family discount on ZenCaster, and uh, we'll call it. I love the idea. Look, I I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think it could be bring our community together. Last question. It's a big one. At the end of 2022, will Jeremy Andrews still be the CEO of Traeger Grills? Look, when you're running a public company, it's not always your choice. Um, but the answer is, I, I have nowhere to go. This is, um, let me say that differently. The grass beneath my feet is the greenest possible grass. I last updated my resume in 2002. Um, I actually don't get paid by Traeger. Uh, and, 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 and that's, that, that's public. It's public in the filings. Uh, I take zero income. Uh, I show up here Monday morning pumped to be part of this place and, um, I'll never have another job. This is it. I love it here. I'm taking that as a yes. 
you plan on being yes. there till the end of the year. I plan to be here. Outside 100%. of whatever's in control, no doubt. That was not meant to be cripted. I will be here <laughs> at the end of this year. Yes. Uh, this is Jeremy Andrews, CEO of Traeger Grills, the website Traeger.com, of course, socially at Traeger Grills. Jeremy, really appreciate the time tonight, being open, appreciate the candor, the look back on you, how you came through it. I uh, hope you enjoyed yourself, and maybe we can do it again at some other point down Great the road. Great conversation. I'd love to. All right. Appreciate it. There he is. Take care. Right, Jeremy Andrews, right there from Traeger Grills. All right. That was inspired conversation, no doubt about it. If you missed it, if you're just coming in now, what were you doing? No problem. We are recording. It's a live show, yes, but we're recording. So the first hour will be up a little bit later this evening or in the morning, depending on when you get to it. That's fine. But you missed a beauty. First time on the show, Jeremy Andrus. And he said it might not be the last. So there you go. Let me talk to you quickly about my pal David McDowell. DavidLeans.com slash BBQ. That's the website, of course. Maybe you've heard that having a dad bod is cool. Well, it's not. Take it from a stud like me. There's nothing sexy about wearing your gluttony everywhere you go, not to mention being overweight increases the risk for all causes of mortality, including strokes, most cancers, coronary artery disease, sleep apnea. The list goes on. Luckily, thanks to my pal, friend of the show, backyard barbecue enthusiast, and men's health and wellness coach, David McDowell, You can eat barbecue all year round and still lose the fat. Fat. With David, you have an assistant around the clock. He's just a text message, an iMessage, a WhatsApp message, or an email away. He's also available for FaceTime, Zoom, WhatsApp video chat whenever you need him, even on short notice. Can you believe that some coaches are charging up to $500 a month for a canned diet plan? One to two check-ins a month? Forget it. Partnering with David allows you to access a resource who's available effectively 24-7. Things have gone so well the past few weeks that he's extending the special to the Barbecue Centralites by offering a great monthly rate, 200 bucks a month. Are you kidding me? Don't wait. Get on it now. Get your 2022 health in gear. DavidLeans.com slash BBQ. That's DavidLeans.com com slash bbq do it now tell them i sent you and we're back to wrap the first hour right after this stick around be right back continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way you're listening and watching the barbecue central show Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Fireboard 2, Fireboard 2 Drive, Fireboard 2 Pro, and and Fireboard 2 Spark. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring of up to six temperatures, which can be done simultaneously or connect via Bluetooth if you would like. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck. Fireboard fully integrated with both of those. You can find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. That's Fireboard 2, Fireboard 2 Drive, Fireboard 2 Pro, or the Fireboard Spark. 
All right, we're late. We'll have an abridged open here in just a few minutes. I want to thank Jeremy Andrews, CEO of Traeger Grills, for coming on for the last two segments and uh, pretty much answering all the questions. So we certainly respect that. If you're interested in taking a look at Traeger because you're brand new to live fire cooking, like literally this moment, TraegerGrill.com or Traeger.com. You can follow them socially at Traeger Grills. So there you go. We are pointing to the second hour where we have it all lined up for you. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show, the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. <laughs> 